Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant people. Thank you for joining me again today. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it's December and this year has just flown by and we're practically at the dead end of the year. I mean, we've got a couple of weeks left. We got through Thanksgiving and now we're now heading straight towards Thanksgiving. And thanks to this funny weather and some rain, it looks much more like fall beautiful, colorful autumn. Uh, It doesn't look like Christmas to me, but you know, whatever. Um, It's lovely, and I'm really enjoying the contrast of the vivid green grass and vibrant, colorful leaves. Um, A few are still on the trees. Um, Luckily for me at work, we have some really nice ornamental trees that have some really nice fall foliage this year. There were some crepe myrtles that were starting to turn orange and then um, sometimes they turn a little bit red. This year they stayed orange, but also across the street from us, there are some ornamental Bradford pears and they were really interesting this year. They started turning red, but just on the side that faces east those it was only the the east side that they were turning red um and the rest of the trees were still green so i don't know why they would only turn red on one side first but i'm not really sure what's up with that but i thought it was pretty cool and i I uh, wanted to mention that. Um, I also want to tell you about my favorite tree at work, and I'm most excited about it because it's this little eastern redbud, and it's been absolutely gorgeous this past week, and I really, really love it because it is so yellow. It's like golden yellow, and it's so amazing. And even though the landscaping company pruned it and made it really ugly, they did a terrible job shaping this tree this spring. But anyway, you wouldn't notice because the color on this tree is just rich and intense. I mean, it is so golden that it practically glows. It's so cool. And when we were putting out holiday decorations and lights, we decided to hang some really fun, shiny, round ball ornaments on it. And you know what? It just kind of radiates happiness. And I love looking at it. And it just brings me a lot of joy. It's such a nice thing to drive up to work and see that tree all decorated. All right. So... 
you know, we haven't had a hard or killing frost yet here in Taylor or really our part of central Texas. It, it got a little, little cool, but we didn't get a killing frost. The first average frost is November 27th for Travis and Williamson County. And we are definitely past that now, but I don't mind. It's been pretty nice. I put out some spinach transplants and I planted some more broccoli and I got my onions planted. It's also been nice because I still have some summer plants that are just like hanging in there uh, out in my garden and I've just left them. I've got pepper plants and a couple of tomato plants and I noticed um, that one of the plants had blossoms on them this past week. I mean, not a whole lot, but, um, you know, I was out there in my garden and I, and I saw that, you know, there were some flowers out there. So I decided to just leave them be. I really couldn't bring myself to pull them up. Um, I definitely did not have any reason to yank them out. I'm, I, I don't need the space right now and I don't have anything to plant in its place just yet. So I just went ahead and left them. And who knows, with this mild weather, if we keep having it, I could actually get um, a few more fruits and that would be pretty cool. I've been neglecting those back beds where the peppers are. And, you know, just between the dark mornings and the busy evenings, I've just not had the time to visit my garden during the daylight. So this last Sunday, when it was beautiful and sunny outside, I had lots of time to go work in the yard, and I actually got a whole bunch accomplished, and I'm so glad about that. But when I was out there cleaning up those pepper plants, I picked all the peppers that were out there and weighed them, and I had two pounds of shishito and jalapeno peppers. And that's a lot of jalapeno peppers. I don't know what I'm going to do with so many. Um, I, I hardly got any this summer, but you know, they decided to come all at once. So I guess I'm going to have to like pickle them or something. I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to be really spicy though. They just smelled spicy when I was out there picking them. And they, they were really, really fragrant. I mean, just like the plants when I was like snapping the peppers off. So like to me, that's a sign that they're going to be pretty spicy. So I don't know. We'll see. While I was out there, I also dug up my sweet potatoes and I was kind of surprised. Um, I always keep my expectations low because sweet, sweet potatoes are hit or miss for me. I just never know how many potatoes I'll end up getting, not until I dig them up. And the past few years, I've not gotten very many. But this year, I got about five pounds, and it's the perfect amount for me because I'm the only one in my house who will eat sweet potatoes. So five pounds, perfect amount. Well, speaking of sweet potatoes, um, you know, we've had this really nice weather finally and it dried out a little bit. So when one of those days when it was like 80 degrees, um, I decided that it was time to dig up the sweet potatoes that I planted in the flower beds at work. 
and I don't I don't even remember how many slips that I actually planted, but I know I had like five or six clusters of slips that I put in the beds up at work and they grew really, really well. Um, there are vines all over the place. So I brought my garden fork and my gloves to work and I wore some grubby shoes and I'm really glad that I did because um, the sprinklers had gone off. I forgot about um, the sprinklers being out there and the soil was pretty wet in some areas and it really was not ideal to dig into the wet soil, but it was the perfect day otherwise for me to get out there and dig them out. And I did. I spent like, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half or so out there pulling up all the vines and then just carefully digging out those tubers with my garden fork. And it was great. I enjoyed myself so much. Um, I had a lot of curious co-workers ask me what I was doing and uh, there were some patients that were coming and going and I visited with them a little bit and it was really amusing um, to me how many people at work did not know that um, I had planted sweet potatoes out front and honestly I loved it. I loved talking about my sweet potatoes and people are really surprised um, that that's what they were and I ended up digging up about 15 pounds of purple sweet potatoes and I was absolutely thrilled the overall there's a whole bunch of them they aren't very big they're kind of small but there's lots of them and um I guess one of the one of the best parts of this was one of the nurses saw me um, bagging up all of the vines, and I had three garbage bags full of vines, and we were just kind of chatting a bit. She's one of my plant friends, and she ended up taking home the vines so that she could give them to her pig. So she took took home all of that, the fresh green vines and gave them to her pig and her pig ate them all up. And I love that because that was so great because I didn't want to have to put them into the dumpster at work. But I also really wasn't in the position to take them home to my compost pile. And that whole time while I was out there digging, I was trying to decide if I should just do it and just press my luck and start a compost pile in the back of the hospital. And then my nurse friend came up and said that she would take them. So I didn't have to worry about that anymore because I know for sure that a compost pile at work probably would have gotten a big fat no. Um, but I don't know. I'm thinking that, you know, my little sweet potato experiment um, was a huge success. It was really nice that I might just put that on my list of goals to have a work compost pile. Yeah. So if anything, I will just start one. I'm not going to ask. 
So this time of year is kind of low-key and quiet out in the garden. Things that were intentionally planted um, aren't really growing all that fast. Um, it, mainly because um, we don't have as much daylight and a lot of the flowering crops, the crops that depend on setting flowers to get fruit, um, they tend to need warmer temperatures than what we have during this time of year. But it's a great time of the year if you like leafy greens like spinach and lettuce, kale, collards and mustard. Um, those are all great crops to have. But if you want a little more variety out in your veggie beds, it's a really super time for planting radishes. Now, I think radishes are really interesting little vegetables. They're also part of the brassica family, and they are little cousins to mustard greens and broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower, all those guys. But we consider them root vegetables like carrots, beets, and parsnips. They're not related to carrots, beets, and parsnips. They're related to broccoli and cabbage. So we are most familiar with those cute little round red salad radishes, but there's so many more different kinds, all kinds of different varieties that come in different shapes and sizes. You know, of course, there's the little round ball radishes, but there's also ones that are cylindrical and stubby. And there's also ones that grow more like carrots that are long and tapered. There are just so many different shapes and they come in different colors too. There's of course the red ones, but there's also ones that are purple and violet and there's white ones. And then also ones that are uh, kind of green. And when you slice them open, they're magenta inside. So they're super cool and um, have a lot of variety, um, a lot more than what you really think um, when it comes to radishes. But radishes have to be the easiest vegetable to grow. And if you are a new gardener or you're helping someone get started in gardening, maybe like kids, radishes are your go-to plant. They are my first crop, veggie superstars. They are just so easy and quick to grow. I think they're pretty much the gateway plants to get people hooked on gardening. They're pretty cool because once you plant radish seeds, you'll have seedlings in less than a week. And in about 30 days, you can be harvesting fresh little radishes plucked straight out of your garden. Larger radishes need to stay in the ground longer. Big radishes like the white daikon radishes, they need to be in the ground twice as long as the smaller salad radishes. The larger daikons, um, they're harvested normally about after 60 days, but even at 60 days, that's really pretty quick um, 
for crops. I mean, considering like some crops, like my sweet potatoes, uh, they took 128 days before I could even harvest them. So radishes, one of the quickest crops to grow. So if you're impatient, grow radishes. Here in Taylor and really all of Central Texas, we have a long radish growing season. The window for planting and growing radishes is like seven months out of the year, which it has to be like the longest growing crop um, that we can plant and harvest. Um, you know, like looking at my the planting guide, it shows here that we can plant radishes from September all the way through to the very end of March. So if you like radishes, you can have a steady supply of radishes all fall and winter and into the springtime. So this winter I'm gonna grow, I am growing daikon radishes for the first time and I'm kind of excited about it for a couple of reasons, mainly because they're a brand new crop for me. And I think they're kind of unusual and I like weird plants. So I like weird stuff, plants, people, whatever. I like weird stuff. So I am definitely growing daikon radishes. Daikons aren't those cute little red ping pong ball sized grocery store salad radishes. These guys are totally different variety. They are um, considered an Asian variety. They are big and thick and hefty and they're pointy and creamy white and they can grow to be more than a foot long. So they are pretty big. Daikons are also called white radishes or Chinese or Japanese radishes. They're considered winter radishes because they grow and mature best as a winter crop when the weather is colder. Since daikon radishes can get so big, they are often used as a cover crop over the winter. And I think that's really interesting because you never hear about people using radishes as a cover crop. Cover crops are like legumes and winter wheat and clover and alfalfa. The, those are more typical cover crops that you hear people planting around here. So... I think that's another cool thing about these daikon radishes because these big old radishes are also called tillage radishes because as they grow and mature, these large pointy radishes just, they puncture the puncture and loosen the soil as they grow. And it's a very passive way to prepare your soil for the next season because you are letting the radishes do all the work as they grow. The radishes pierce the soil, and then that breaks up the hard soil. And at the end of the growing season, it has the same effect as tilling, except you didn't have to till because you planted radishes. These daikon radishes are also able to capture and store nitrogen. Um, if you leave them in the ground to decay, they will add nitrogen 
and also other nutrients that they um, they captured from the soil. And then they put it right back in, plus they add moisture. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to planting daikon radishes as an overwinter cover crop, um, especially in Taylor and our part of Central Texas that has that blackland prairie soil. We have that heavy black clay soil that sometimes gets compacted and very, very hard. And planting radishes is a very passive way to prepare your soil, prepare your land, prepare your beds. Plus, planting radishes helps keep weeds down, it aerates the soil, and it reduces soil erosion. And if you don't harvest them and you leave them in the ground, it will improve your soil and you'll use less fertilizer. Now, tillage radishes, daikon radishes, growing them like on a large scale like that isn't just for farmers or uh, commercial growers, us backyard gardeners. We can use them too as a cover crop. You know, if you have an area that has compacted soil or you have an area that you want to convert to a planting space, say you want to expand your garden or you want to start it in another area, you can plant daikon radishes as a cover crop this winter. And all you have to do is like scalp off like the grassy section and plant your radish seeds. And I think that's cool. Um, the main advantage that really appeals to me is when you plant tillage radishes or daikon radishes, it aerates the soil because they're so large and they take up space that when you pull them out, you know, you got looser soil and that's really important to your soil biology. Plus it helps break up the heavy clay soil and you do it without having to buy or borrow or even use a tiller, a mechanical tiller. So that is a big plus to me, but the bonus is that you also get radishes. So you can either leave them in the ground or you can eat them or you can do both, but either way, it's a total win. Oh, I forgot. Um, another thing about tillage radishes is that um, their residue can also help reduce root nematodes. So if you have a problem with root nematodes, um, planting tillage radishes and leaving them in the ground is one way that you can treat root nematodes. Root nematodes are tiny microscopic roundworms that live in the soil, and they damage crops by eating the roots of plants. So if you have root nematodes, you might want to try planting radishes. If you are looking for a natural and sustainable way to improve the soil in your garden without spending a fortune on expensive soil amendments, try planting a cover crop. Cover crops have been used in agriculture for thousands of years as a way to naturally and sustainably improve soil quality. 
Cover crops aren't just for large-scale farming. Backyard gardeners can plant cover crops too. Planted in the ground, in raised beds, and even in containers, cover crops keep soil bacteria healthy, add nutrients, and prevent erosion while attracting pollinators and other beneficial insects. True Leaf Market offers a great selection of cover crop seeds, including their best-selling all-purpose garden cover crop mix, which is really popular with backyard gardeners. Order online at trueleafmarket.com and be sure to use promo code PH15 to save 15% on cover crop seeds at trueleafmarket.com. You are listening to Plow Nose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you're enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow Nose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends or go over to Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your shows and subscribe to the Plow Nose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave a review. All right, let's get back to radishes because I think they are a really cool crop to grow and you can grow lots of them and for a long time because there aren't a whole lot of vegetables that we can grow in Central Texas for more than half a year. Plus they are super easy and fast growing and inexpensive, so... Everyone should grow radishes, I think. Radishes really don't like the warm weather, and when it gets too warm, they won't produce a bulb, or if they do, their bulbs will be very pungent. And some people use this to their advantage and use radishes as companion plants because Radishes and their bitter components can help ward off pests and insects from other plants in your garden. A lot of people don't like radishes because they have a strong, spicy, hot, peppery taste. The flavor can vary between um, the different varieties of radishes, but generally speaking, the smaller the radish, the less intense the flavor is. The flavor comes from a compound in the rabbit radish called glucosinolate, glucosinolate. And it's that sulfury kind of sharp odor and taste that radishes and mustard have. It's also in wasabi and horseradish. The longer the radish is in the ground, the stronger that flavor tends to be. But the flavor can also intensify when the temperatures warm up or when the soil conditions are poor. But there are a few things you can do to reduce that pungent, sharp taste. You can peel off the outer layer. This is where most of the glucosinolates are, and you then you're just removing a thin layer from the outside. And this is going to eliminate a lot of the harshness. 
You can also try slicing radishes and soaking them for a few hours in ice water and putting the putting them in the refrigerator. This is going to take a little bit of the pungency out of the radishes and make them more mild, but it's also going to help the radishes stay crisp. But the best way to get rid of all the unpleasant compounds in radishes is just to cook them. You can top them up and saute them in a little bit of butter or bacon grease. When they get soft, then they're ready to eat. They are very mild and delicious when cooked. And you just all you need is a little bit of salt and some fresh cracked pepper. Or you could add like a splash of vinegar or a squeeze of lemon juice. Or, you know, put some... Uh, fresh herbs in there like rosemary or thyme. You can also roast them in the oven. Just cut them into like one inch pieces and toss your radishes with a little bit of olive oil. Put those in your oven and roast them for about 20 minutes at 350 degrees. You can roast them with other root vegetables like parsnips, carrots, and beets. Um, just try to keep all the veggies to be about the same size. That way they roast evenly. But either way, roasting and sauteing is cooking the radishes is going to make the radishes taste very mild. After cooking them, they'll have um, a texture that's similar to potatoes, but they won't be as bland like potatoes. They'll still have a nice earthy, but mellow radish flavor. So if you're looking for a low carb alternative to potatoes, roasted and sauteed radishes are a nice substitute. Now, <laughs> there's no way you're gonna be able to pass off a roasted radish for a potato. So don't try to trick anybody or trick yourself into thinking they are the same. But there are some really interesting radish recipes out on the internet. And if you're wanting to try something different, I am pretty sure you'll be able to find a radish recipe to appreciate. My personal favorite way to prepare radishes is to ferment them. Fermentation is a way to preserve food and people have been fermenting vegetables for centuries. It increases the stability of fresh foods and it makes food safer to eat when there isn't refrigeration. Fermentation also enhances the flavors of vegetables and it increases nutrients and probiotics. If you never fermented or pickled anything, radishes are a good choice to experiment with for the first time since they are very inexpensive to grow. Plus they make really delicious foods. You can pickle them also. Um, just do like a quick search of quick pickle recipes for radishes or something like that if you want a very fast vinegar-based pickle. If you want to try fermenting, I would suggest looking up salt and brine fermenting and you'll find several pages with very easy instructions. All right, I want to switch gears and stop talking about radishes. I want to switch gears since it is gift giving season 
And I thought I might spend a little time talking about some gift ideas if you happen to be shopping for a plant person or if you've been asked what you would like for a gift. I got a few ideas that I wanted to share with you this year. Since it's not prime gardening season, it might be hard to find gardening related things at the big box stores, but luckily for us, independent local nurseries come through for us and they usually have plenty of great stuff that gardening and plant people would love to have. Independent local nurseries tend to carry different brands than the big box stores. And honestly, they're usually higher quality tools that gardeners really enjoy using. Local nurseries buy items they stock themselves and they're usually really well versed in the benefits and features of tools and products that they sell. Unlike chain stores that have corporate buyers that live in other states and they're selecting items on a seasonal basis. It's a very slow time of the year for nurseries. So shopping at local independent places is really good for several different reasons. Okay. So you know, a new shovel or a pruner might not be like the most amazing gift to get and probably hard to wrap. But for a plant person who gardens all year, quality tools are always very appreciated. Just like other purchases, we don't always buy ourselves the top of the line item, but it's something that's nice to receive something better than what we would have bought on our own. It's always a nice surprise. And quality, especially with gardening tools, is usually very, very obvious. It doesn't necessarily have to reflect in the price tag either. A nice tool will be, will be designed to last and it won't have a lot of plastic components. Plastic will keep the price down, but if you leave them outdoors, out in the heat, out in our Texas sun, plastic components are always the first to degrade and break. So look for ergonomic designs and metal parts. Also, if you have the option of getting a tool with a handle, some other color than black or brown or green, always choose a bright color, red, blue, yellow, orange, purple, whatever. They are so much easier to spot in the garden than black or green. If you set down your pruners in the grass and you have a pair of green ones or brown ones, I trust me, it, you can look half a day trying to <laughs> figure out where you set your pruners down. So, Pick out something colorful. That's more fun anyway. Some other ideas. Um, garden statuary and bird baths and bird feeders are also nice things to add to your garden. Um, they make a whole lot of like really fun statuary now. And these really do make nice um, gifts for gardeners, especially this time of year when there isn't a whole lot of um, things going on in the garden. Yeah, you know, having a nice little statuary that you can put outside your window and enjoy uh, or bird bath or bird feeder. It's, it's, it's a nice little touch for your outdoor space. 
Wind chimes can add a peaceful touch to outdoor spaces. But if you are wanting to give your plant person something to for inside, look for things to help them get a jump start on indoor seed starting. Maybe look for warming mats for seed starting trays, seed starting kits, and of course, LED growing lights. Terrariums are very popular again. So you can look for unusual jars and vessels that you can be used to start a new terrarium. You could even make some terrariums to give. They're If you haven't um, made one before, be sure to check out um, episode 68 of the Plow and Hose podcast. Um, I did that this past summer. And right away, you can learn about closed and open system terrariums. It's also um, one of the episodes that I talk about beginning hydroponics, which hydroponics, a small, simple hydroponics setup might be something that you could give. Gifts that help you grow indoors are a fun option, you know, not for both grown-ups and kids. Some other ideas, sprouting jars and microgreen kits allow you to grow fresh and nutritious foods all winter long. You don't even have to go outside. It's so simple to do. Microgreens are just immature, tiny baby versions of greens. You just plant seeds like lettuce and kale or spinach and cabbage and chard. And when they start forming little sets of leaves, you just harvest them. You just snip them off and then you can add those to a sandwich or a salad. Sprouting isn't that much difference, but you, instead of growing them in soil or on special um, microgreen pads, um, you grow sprouts in jars without soil and you eat the entire sprout. Mung beans, lentils, um, most of the grains, and other legumes can also be sprouted. Both sprouting and microgreens are super speedy, fast gardening projects. You can harvest sprouts in just a few days, and microgreens are ready in about two weeks. And these are good for impatient people just getting started with gardening. And for those that don't have much space, but they still want to grow some of their own food. Okay, it's um, time for me to finish up today's show, uh, I want to give you a quick reminder that I do have a column that appears in two local newspapers, the Taylor Press and the Elgin Courier. My column runs in the Taylor Press every other Saturday and in the Elgin Courier every other Wednesday. And so you can pick up print copies or you can look for it online at those respective newspaper websites. Thank you again for joining me. I really hope you have a wonderful week. For 
production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas. Thank you.